0: This is Deep Dive, WFHB and Limestone Post Investigate, where we look into issues regarding health, housing, and the environment that directly impact residents of Monroe County. We are looking into the Hoosier National Forest and the Charles C. Dean Wilderness Area within it. Last week, we explored a bit of the history of the land and how it came to be a wilderness area. This week, we look into recent legislation introduced by U.S. Senator Mike Braun which would expand the boundaries of the wilderness area.
1: The Charles C. Dean Wilderness Area is the only protected wilderness in Indiana. In early October, U.S. Senator Mike Braun introduced a bill, S-2990, that would more than double the size of the wilderness area. The bill is titled the Benjamin Harris National Recreation Area and Wilderness Establishment Act of 2023. It would designate approximately 29,382 acres of the Hoosier National Forest as a national recreation area, and it would expand the boundaries of the Deem Wilderness Area by about 15,300 acres. To view a map of the proposed forest boundaries, you can visit wfhb.org following this broadcast. According to a press release from Braun's office, the intent of this bill is to maintain the natural beauty of the Hoosier National Forest. Braun said, quote, Indiana is blessed with a natural beauty, outdoor recreation, and history in every corner of the state. As an avid outdoorsman who knows the importance of conservation, I'm proud to introduce legislation that will specifically designate thousands of acres of forest for protection in Indiana to ensure it can be enjoyed and appreciated by future generations, end quote.
0: Indiana Forest Alliance Executive Director Jeff Stant explained that the acreage they hope to add with this new proposal was originally included in the amount of acreage they wanted established back when the Deem Wilderness Area was first proposed in the 1980s.
2: We organized a lot of grassroots support for designating the original Deem Wilderness back in the 70s and 80s. We were trying to get an area to the east of it known as Nebo Ridge from 50 years ago starting forward. And about maybe nine years of that effort ended up settling for the Deem Wilderness uh, as the compromise of the compromise. At that point, it was a third the size of what we started out trying to save. And uh, today's proposal to expand the Dean Wilderness in F2990 is really trying to go back and save the area that, that uh, we started trying to save 50 years ago when when the forest, National Forest Supervisor at the time, uh, A. Claude Ferguson, first proposed that Nebo Ridge be one of the first uh, wilderness areas in the eastern United States.
0: Stant explained that the expansion of the wilderness area would not add any additional land to the forest, but rather, it would redraw the border around the wilderness area and increase the size of the land set aside to be managed as wilderness.
2: All those lands are now publicly owned, 15,300 acres that would be added to the dean. It's all wild forest land it's actually been set aside in the two in the current and the previous land management plan as areas not to be logged in or to build roads in so it's been set aside administratively for 32 years it's just and it's all forest land there's no houses or homes or towns in it it's what this would do is it would just make that protection permanent it would say that the federal law, when it comes to the land inside this the areas that we're adding to the Dean, is requires that they be protected from any logging or other activities that would diminish their wilderness character. Um, that, that that those activities would be prohibited, that lands that lands that shall be managed to be forever wild.
1: Stant outlined how the Hoosier National Forest is comprised of smaller portions called subunits or purchase units, and explained how the Deem Wilderness is one of these units, but it is unique in that it is a wilderness area.
2: Okay, so the Hoosier National Forest is comprised of the 204,000 acres of land, public land, called National Forest land, that extends from uh, just southeast of Bloomington all the way to the Ohio River. Uh, in various compartments called purchase units. And the difference between the Dean Wilderness, which is part of the Hoosier National Forest, and those other lands like Young's Creek or Shirley Creek or Luke's Knob or Luke Bogan Ridge, is that Dean Wilderness is managed under the Wilderness Act by the Forest Service with a hands-off approach that doesn't allow any logging or burning or road building in the area called the Dean Wilderness. Other lands are managed under the National Forest Management Plan for the the desired conditions and uses that are laid out in that that plan for those areas. And and they all fit under this law called the Multiple Use Sustained Yield Act. And so that allows for a range of uses to occur on those other lands. Uh, That range is very restricted inside the Dean Wilderness to only uses that are non-mechanized non-motorized, that don't harm the wilderness condition.
1: He further explained how the Hoosier National Forest is made up of public and private land that the federal government manages.
2: So there's houses, there's roads, towns, there's people build ponds their, on their private land. There's lots of private land inside the purchase boundary. In fact, most of the land inside the purchase boundaries of the Hoosier National Forest, what you see on that map, it just that it might be like, Green and called the Hoosier National Forest. Most of the land inside those boundaries is actually privately owned. It's not like a national park, where, it's, where you know usually you know, most of the land is publicly owned. This is this is different. It's it's an area where the federal government can buy forest land to be part of the national forest on a willing seller basis. They don't use eminent domain. So what that that means is that. Uh, Unlike a lot of other forests, the Hoosier does not have an active as, as active a land buying program as we would wish. Um, they used to back uh, 50 years ago, for example, when the wilderness fight, started, when the, the effort to save the Debo area started, the wilderness. They were buying much more land than they are today. We're trying to change that and and bring back uh, dollars to Indiana to buy more of the national land inside the. Purchase boundary to add to the Hoosier National Forest, but we're not there yet. But the, the bottom line is there are lots of private landowners who also have land inside the Hoosier National Forest purchase boundary, and um, they you know, have farms and houses and towns. Um, it, on the same token, you know there's more public acres in those purchase boundaries than that are called the Hoosier National Forest than exist in any other public land. Units in the state of Indiana by far. I mean, the 204,000 acres of the Hoosier are much larger than any of the state public lands. You could take the largest state forest. I think that would be uh, Morgan Monroe State Forest near, near you there in Bloomington. That's that's about 25,000 acres is the total of that forest. So that's you know maybe a ninth, or eighth, a or ninth the size of the Hoosier National Forest. Uh, so imagine, imagine uh, uh, nine Morgan Monroe State forests lined up. That's the public land inside the Hoosier National Forest. So there's a lot of forests there, but there's also a lot of development, private land there um, that, that uh, there's no restriction on the development rights of that land. So um, the only way we can protect it is to have incentives like the Classified Forest of Wildlands Program or to have the the federal agencies like the Forest Service or, or the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Natural, Natural Resource Conservation Service work with private landowners to to manage their land to keep it in forest. And, and there are those programs, and we're trying to encourage more focus on those programs by the Forest Service instead of yeah. their focus continually on logging on the public acres for the National
0: Forest so now we have explored what the proposal is, but why is the legislation being proposed to begin with? In a news release, Senator Braun said, quote, The area this legislation will protect is important not only for its ecological significance, but also for the drinking water which the Monroe Reservoir provides to so many Hoosiers in the area, end quote.
1: Jeff Stant shared, that the Indiana Forest Alliance, a nonprofit environmental group based in Indianapolis, is advocating for this proposal to pass. He said that setting aside the land as a wilderness area would improve the forest's chances of becoming an old-growth forest, which he explains has many benefits.
2: Well, it, it, there's a lot of values uh, that it, it would serve. There are, certainly are a lot of areas of the Hoosier National Forest that, that, where the forests are predominantly young forests. Old growth forests are important because they they include forests of all ages in the stand. They're not just all old trees. When these trees fall, and they, there's a process called forest succession that is going on continually. And so, when when big trees fall, they'll knock over other trees as they fall and create what are called patch openings. Or openings in the, the overstory, the canopy, that allow sunlight to come down in and early successional habitat to, to spring up. And if you go to old growth forests mm-hmm. in Indiana, such as Donaldson's Woods at Springdale State Park or, or Hoot Woods out in, in Owen County, or, you find that actually there's more brush and early successional habitat and sunlight in those forests than in most managed forests. And it's because this process of forest succession is going on continually in forests. So as they age, more and more of these openings happen. And then as those openings fill, new ones are happening. So you get a condition that's called uneven aged forest. And that's very different from the even age you see in managed forests, where all the trees in the canopy are pretty much within the same decade or so of age, being the same age. In, in old growth, got trees that, that range from five or six years old to, to or, you know, just sapling age, clear up to 250, 300 years old. And and in what we call the co-dominant layer, the layers below the, the oldest trees, you've got a wide range of, of trees that are, you know, 60, 80, 100 years, 120, 130, 140, 150 years. You just have a, a big diversity of age class. And you also have, because of these, the, all these different openings everywhere, different kinds of tree species. So you get a, a far more diverse forest with multiple different age classes. And when you when you're talking about natural resistance to diseases and blight in, in forests and, and pests that can come in and, and wipe out forests, the greatest resistance and resilience to to that that those kinds of things, infestations of of, of pests and, and, and insect outbreaks and flights, is in is with old-growth forests uh, because of they have so many different age classes that some trees and species that that are not resistant at one age to a pest are resistant either yo- at younger or older ages, and and uh, so you have this greater uh, diversity of age classes, and because you have different, more different light regimens that in the managed forest, that's all shady. You, you get some direct sunlight areas, you get some moderate sunlight areas, you get some darker areas, some deep dark areas. You get different tree species also. So you got different tree species, and each species with different ages in 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 an old growth forest that is really reached its zenith that has all these different uh, age classes and species
1: Stant explained that these old growth forests are also beneficial for mitigating climate change
2: those kinds of forests are the most resilient to what the, the the impacts we fear that climate change is bringing they regulate their their climates the most the most it's called a microclimate it's it's the the forest right there on the site that you're walking through they because there's usually multiple vegetation layers, these forests can be 10 or more degrees cooler than if you walk out into an area, in a field next to a forest of direct sunlight. Um, In fact, uh, EPA says that within a half mile of a forest in a city, temperatures can be six degrees cooler, six degrees Fahrenheit cooler, um, than if you're more than a half mile away because of the transpiration of the forest. Is, is, it's like a natural air conditioner. So that that natural air conditioning is at its maximum in these old-growth forests, which have all this different uh, transpiration, uh, plants breathing, respiring, going on. And you also have huge uh, abilities to absorb water and hold it in old-growth forests. They they most people don't realize that the most fertile soils on the earth. And all the soils that you you know that you see across the central and northern, uh, uh, till plains of, of Indiana, these were all created by forests, um, old growth forests, and and that that's created when trees you know grow up and each year these deciduous trees lose all their leaves to the ground into the forest duff, and the trees eventually fall and the branches and the logs rot into the soil and you get this tremendous organic forest Humus component, and that eventually uh, com- uh, has has combined with a lot of the glacial till to produce a high mineral, high organic content soil that's created the most productive red basket on the planet right here in the Midwest. That was created by forests, not fertilizer. Forests, hardwood forests, and and that's another big benefit of forests that people often overlook. We got our soil from our forests. And uh, they, they, and as I point out, they absorb huge amounts of water. So they, and they release it in a, in a, a natural regulated way to the groundwater, uh, shallow groundwater table. And and so what they they're like are sponges that absorb rainwater and then release it more carefully back to rivers and streams. And in that way, they control flooding events. Um, they also clean the water as it's it's. Moving through the forest, uh, and the, the trees are taking up water and, and, uh, the, the, uh, water if it moves down through the, the forest duff layers, the, the leaves and the, the, the shallow soils, it actually has, there's a whole microbial action that, that's, that's, uh, sustained by that and, the, and the water that then comes out of the water table is very clean. Um, and so the clean water there they actually purify air, and they provide immense amounts of habitat for wild animals uh, and and for people, sustenance for people. Um, and, you know, in this era of, of climate change, rapidly changing climate, forests are the, the the most proven technology known for absorbing massive amounts of carbon from the atmosphere. They, and, and when you've got old forests, they have been doing that year after year so they are storing immense amounts of that carbon in the soil and in the tree trunks and the roots and the branches and the leaves and then each year they're taking in more soil that has been stored in those carbons or carbon that's stored in those, those uh, uh in in the forest in the forest soils and in the trees so they they're to answer the climate change problem we not only have to to, to get rid of all the, the, the carbon that we put in the atmosphere, but we need to, to hold on to what carbon has been sequestered. And that's an argument for why you want to let forests grow older. And if you're going to do any logging, leave a lot of the large trees and canopy in place and don't clear-cut uh, areas because that results in a large carbon release to the environment.
1: Stant said that the proposal S twenty nine ninety would expand the wilderness area, which he said is managed similarly to that of the climate preserve.
2: While the S twenty nine ninety is creating the Benjamin Harrison National Recreation Area and Wilderness uh, addition to the Charleston Wilderness, it, it it's not you know, formally creating something we call a climate preserve. Uh, the practical effect of The legislation is going to be to manage much of the Hoosier National Forest as a climate preserve um, the The areas that are being added onto the dean that will more than double its size uh, will you know what will result from that is is an area of of twenty eight thousand uh, approximately twenty eight thousand three hundred acres of of land going back into the old growth condition that is, has already stored an immense amount of carbon and is going to be adding each year uh, a significant amount more of carbon uh, that's being uh, pulled out of the atmosphere. So it's being managed as a, as a climate preserve, as an area where we're, we're focusing on uh, letting the forest take carbon out of the atmosphere. Um, it may not be called a climate preserve, but that's how it's being managed and the management of the the twenty nine thousand three hundred eighty two acres in the national recreation area surrounding that expanded wilderness is also going to help sequester much more carbon because it's going to be managing it with at most light timber harvests uh, and letting more of that forest get older and um and so we we think that the S-2990 is going to be a good step toward converting much of the Hoosha National Forest into a climate preserve as a practical matter. Um, but um, uh, it, as far as, as managing the whole national forest that way, um, I think that that's going to have to be accomplished through the forest management planning process. Uh, which is a, a separate process where you have the Hoosier National Forest uh, uh, complying with its its legally, you know, required uh, mandate under the National Forest Management Act to have a National Forest Management Plan that that the public has input into that says how the rest of the National Forest is going to be managed. And that has to be revised every 15 years, that plan. And the Forest Service is overdue for making that revision of the Hoosier National Forest. And a lot of uh, the decisions that will be made in that plan revision, uh, which uh, USDA's Undersecretary, uh, Homer Wilkes, announced the Forest Service would uh, move forward with for the Hoosier uh, in, in a meeting uh, back in, in April here in the state, um, a lot of that plan revision can convert management of the Hoosier National Forest to uh, management of it as a climate preserve uh, by by making carbon sequestration one of the, the priorities of that forest management. Uh, so I hope I'm answering your question. Is, we're not officially supporting any legislation to, to name the Hoosier National Forest a climate preserve but we're, we're the S-2990 the will convert its management for a significant portion of it to the management of a climate preserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and the forest planning process can be used to try to, to manage the, the rest of the national forest as a climate preserve, where you have longer rotations between your timber harvests and you're letting more of the, the national forest uh, alone uh, to be enjoyed for recreation, uh, ecological value, and protection of water supply um, and, uh, and sequestration of carbon.
1: He said that the bill needs the public support and suggested members of the public who are interested can reach out to Senator Mike Braun and Senator Todd Young.
2: If you want to see these lands remain forever wild, you need to support this legislation uh, S 2990, And you need to let your congressperson know that they should, should support it in the House of Representatives. And you need to thank Senator Braun for introducing it in the Senate and urge Senator Todd Young, your other U.S. senator from Indiana, to co-sponsor it with Senator Braun. So it'll move quickly through the Senate. And then we need uh, Congresswoman Houchin, whose district includes the wilderness area to introduce the bill in the house. So if you climb that fire tower and see that vast forest out there, you've never realized something that vast existed in the state. Um, you 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 if you want to see it remain that way, you need to get a hold of your US congressional representatives, your 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 representatives and your senators and ask them to to support S2990 and to pass it. And and send it to uh, President Biden for his signature.